All right. Hello and welcome just to family. This is giving you something to talk about or just a live TV as I like to call it. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. Today we are going to be talking about gambling, gaming and lifestyle addictions. And this is technically and technically not specified to women. It is going to be about absolutely everybody. So bear in mind, uh, when we do talk majority about women, it's only because we're women. So that's <laughs> That is why today's episode has been sponsored by a Phoenix identity. Are you desperate to feel like yourself again, but don't even know what that starts? Do you feel like you're in a life crisis and you need to gain control of your life? Go and check out their life crisis package. It is a three month identity coaching package to remove all your stress. Uh, well, not all your stress because we never remove it all, but remove your stress. Um, reconnect to yourself and take control back of your life. So go and check that out. Coupon code 911 and you get it for 25% off. So go and take a look at that. Today, my guest co-host or guest speaker is none other than Tara Carbert. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi. Yes. You said my name perfectly. So thank you very much. My name is Tara Carbert. I am a recovery and life coach and a podcast host and a woman in long-term recovery from compulsive gambling. And I can't thank you enough for giving them something to talk about together and creating this space to talk about gaming and gambling and lifestyle addictions. Absolutely. Excited to be here. It's, you know what, it's important. And nobody realizes that we do have little lifestyle addictions or, or random addictions that nobody really talks about. So you and I, when we were starting uh, doing the pre-screening, we had talked about gaming and not your, not your regular, like I'm not talking about online, you know, Minecraft or well, even that too, but I'm not talking about like Xbox or PS1. I'm talking, you were mentioning, like I play, I've played Clash of Clans. I've played um, Merge Dragons is my favorite right now. I've played tons of of apps on my tablet, on my iPhone, you know, on, on all my electronics. And I do put money into them, right? I do put money into them. I, I don't know how much money I've spent on Merge Dragons <laughs> in the last couple months. I couldn't tell you. I would have to literally go back and try to calculate it. Yeah. But I have, right? Right. And while it, you know, while it can be an addiction, you know, I, I go through phases, right? I'll put money into one app and then, you know, a month or two later, I'm like, oh, I don't want to play this anymore. And then I go to another app and I find something and like it starts and stops. I'm not constantly doing it. So what would you say that for anybody who's, who is gaming on their devices, what would, what would qualify as an addiction for one of those apps to really be an addiction. Yeah. And I mean, I'll just speak from personal experience. My addiction was gambling specifically. And so, um, you know, I can look at some of my gaming behavior and that would be, you know, the inability to restrain yourself to the time that you've set aside to do that activity where it's creating harm in other areas of your life where you're neglecting other important responsibilities for yourself. And certainly if you're playing games that have an in-game spending feature, if you're spending more than you can afford to spend that you've not budgeted for this entertainment dollars, if you will, um, that could be a real big hint that you want to examine your relationship with gaming and with that game in particular too. Yeah, absolutely. 
Now, for anybody watching, an addiction is uh, addiction stems from a need to either replace, remove, or create an emotion. That's what addiction does, right? So um, I'm addicted to reading. Absolutely. I'm addicted to reading. I will spend all day, every day reading. I will lie in bed, lie on my couch. I'm on my phone. I have Kindle on my phone. So I'm reading all the time, every day. Um, and I'm absolutely right. Because there's days where I don't do anything else, right? Mm -hmm. It's like anybody asks me to do something and I'm like, no, I just want to finish this chapter. Right. And it's little things like that, that we can become addicted to. Now, am I doing it because I want to remove or replace an emotion? You know, in some cases, yes, because I have so many other things to do. And all I want to do is just relax. I just want to be in that moment, you know, even lost in the book. Right. Yeah. And for reading, that's what got me reading is, is losing myself or losing reality into a story. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and that, I mean, <laughs> what does, what can addiction look like? I mean, let's talk about one more level, one more page, one more spin, one more, one more flip of the card, one more hand, right? Yeah. One, one more. We always want that one more. Yeah. We, um, so I'm in Canada and you're in the U S so, um, we, we are neighbors <laughs> in a way. Yes. Um, we have, so we have like the lotto max and the lotto 649 and you guys have the Powerball and you know, all of that I purchase. So I always tell my, my husband, I'm like, I can't win the lottery if I don't buy tickets, right? If yeah. I can buy tickets for the lottery, I'm not going to win it. Right. <laughs> I'm constantly every day. And again, lifestyle, right? Every day I'm on my phone and I'm actually going to pull it up because it's quite funny. Um, so I have these three apps or, or Safari searches on my phone all the time. Now, if I click into this, this one right here is I can purchase lottery tickets online. Yep. So I never have to go to the store and buy my lottery tickets. Oh, it's my frictionless. City, I'm buying my, my, my lottery tickets, right? Yeah. On the, on the other side, um, I have the realtor app where I have my you can just buy a house in five seconds. Yep. <laughs> so I have my realtor app, right? And I have a bunch of different notifications set of uh, not notifications, but searches. Yep. And one of them is my mansion. <clears throat> yeah. I search mansions across Canada just for just for shits and giggles because I I'm I like you know window shopping. But uh there's mansions galore, right? And that's sure. again something that I do, but I don't know if I would call it an addiction, right? Like I like, I dream, I have a healthy dream. I want a big house. Okay. I want a room for everything. I want a room for everybody. I want my kids on the opposite side of the house so that I have like total space and quiet. And, but I want all my kids there. Right. I, I would be the atypical parent where my kids could live with me for the rest of their lives in mm -hmm. their own like suite. Yeah. <laughs> right. Everybody um, gets an ensuite. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or I, you know, I have a dream of buying property and doing like the whole community thing, right. Sure. Where each of my kids get their own house. On oh, I love this idea too. Yes. We have a communal swimming pool, a communal yep. garden, right. All of that. I'd love yeah. that. But yeah. I either need to become a millionaire 
through the show or my businesses, or I need to win the lottery. <laughs> right. So there's my healthy goals, but I, I do, I, I probably spend $50 a week on lottery tickets. Okay. Right. But that's one, two, three, four, five different lotteries. Sure. What happens if you remove it? Right. And how much time are you spending thinking about it? And how much are you well, scheming and thinking and you have a system? It, right? Last week, I totally forgot. I'm like, oh shit, I forgot. And then, and it was, it's 70 million right now. And I was yeah. like, oh shit, I forgot. Yeah. And then that was fine. Right. Nobody won it. So I was like, okay, phew. <laughs> not that I w- I've won it yet, but at the same time, it's not like I, I'm not sitting there absolutely waiting for them to draw it. I'm not constantly, if I have, if I don't have the money for it, I don't have the money for it. Right. And so there, I mean, when we talk about gaming and gambling, <clears throat> gambling in particular, yeah. right. Somebody who's addicted to gambling, same way, somebody who's addicted to drugs or alcohol, we, once we reach a certain point in our addiction, where I would say, you know, there's kind of this line between problem behavior and addictive behavior. When I was active in my addiction, that I don't have money with which to gamble was not an obstacle. It was, I'm going to find the money so that I can gamble. That meant selling things that that mattered to me. That meant taking out loans at ridiculous interest rates. That meant lying to people about why I was out of money and asking friends to lend me money so that I could pay them back. It meant acting out of my character outside of the person who I aspire to be in the world. And even the picture I painted of myself for others in order to keep gambling. Yeah. And I would not say I can't afford to gamble. I might say I can't afford to gamble. And then right away it was, how can I afford to gamble? And I'm really fortunate that my addiction didn't lead me to um, an illegal behavior, but I had thoughts about it. And I suppose technically we could say it's illegal to kite a check. I don't know if you use that phrase in Canada, but where you, you know, you draw a check on, on a balance that's not in the bank. Uh, in the hope that you're going to deposit before that's technically illegal. So I guess I, maybe I did just admit to uh, committing a crime. Um, But I I think that's, that's part of it with addiction is that there's not the off button. There's not the rational, like, Oh, this is not a good idea based on the other things I have going on in my life. That voice is not heard. Well, yeah. Shopping right? There's, uh, for women in particular, there's shopping addictions. Men do it too in a different sense, but um, I know people who have absolute shopping addictions where they are spending, 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 right? And Mm -hmm. closets upon closets full of clothes, right? Mm -hmm. And that is an addiction. Um, I was getting my nails done. I've gotten my nails done every month for the last year, two years, uh, three. Let me see. Let me see. But I don't have them right now. Oh, (laughs) so um, I think my hands look short and stubby (laughs) when I'm not wearing nails. Well, that's a thought. Totally grosses me out. And I don't like not having nails. But I went and got my nails redone um, last month right before my birthday and they started breaking and cracking and mm-hmm. just not what I needed. And so I took right. them all off and I could have gone 
right? I've had yep. the money. I'm, I'm, I can go at any point in time to get my nails done, but I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to wait. And you thought about the health of your natural nails. So I'm, I'm one of those really fortunate people. These are my natural nails with some gel polish on them. And thanks mom. It is something genetically I inherited from her. She had gorgeous nails, but about the third time with the gel, I have the same experience. Like my nails are getting thin. They're starting to crack. I want to make sure that they stay healthy, let them breathe. Right. And that's a conscious, rational choice to prioritize self-care in that way, where if we keep going, when we're noticing that something's unhealthy, it can be that behavioral addiction. It can be a compulsion. You might, you know, I know people who have gone so far that the surface gets cracked and then they end up with some infection and then the whole nail falls off yeah. because they became obsessed with having it be the way that they wanted, wanted it to be. Yeah. So I like anything can become an addiction. And wellness. Yeah. So now I'm talking about people that I know right? I'm talking about addictive qualities or addictive lifestyles that I actually know people who have done these. So shopping, absolutely. I know a shopaholic and I love her beyond measure. Um, yeah. Actually, two of my closest people, uh, one's a shopaholic, one is a physical fitness um, to the mm-hmm. point of, you know, self-deprecation, um, right. hating yourself and, you know, there are a lot of stuff, lifestyle. I have to look this way. I have to act this way. And, you know, a lot of our identity becomes wrapped up in these addictions, right? Yes. If you don't feel good enough, or if we're not taking care of our emotional health and well-being, we look for outside sources to give us that feeling, right? So I put makeup on yesterday for the first time in probably like three years. And I'm just like, oh, and then I went and bought more. Yet I never wear it. This is fun. Yeah. But I never wear it. And so, right. right? And now I'm like, well, maybe I'll go to Sephora and grab the really good foundation because I rosacea, I can't stand the feeling of really thick um, foundation. Me neither. But at the same time, I want to cover, right? I Uh I want to cover. I want to look nice been and not have all the red splotches and and all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't have to. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, to your earlier point about, you know, kind of a- addiction takes root when we have created this pathway in our minds that we've some, we've come to believe that that behavior, that thing, if it's a substance or, you know, something we can touch and feel, um, that that is the solution to the emotion we don't want to feel. And in the trying to create an emotion, you know, we're trying to remove the feeling of boredom, you know, in many cases, like we want to create excitement because we're so bored, you know, and now, you know, I used to think of boredom and now I'm like, yeah, that's not boredom. That's peace. That's serenity. That's quiet. And I think, um, you know, the same can be true. I participate in 12-step recovery. That's how I stopped betting. And I, I think, um, it can also be true about programs of recovery and, and faith relationship that we can, as people with a tendency to be, to, I'll just, I'm talking about myself here. No one else as someone with an addictive personality, I can get addicted to anything. So I could get addicted to meetings. I could get addicted to church. I could, and it's knowing kind of what are my signals that I've tipped over 
the line of like genuine curiosity, engaging in something that's healthy to this is now becoming potentially a destructive pattern. And I got to be on the lookout for it. Um, and with the, I'm so glad you're letting me talk about gambling, um, in a forum like this, because I think, you know, one of the things that really resonated with me and my recovery spaces was that there's so many men represented and all the studies on gambling are centered around men and all of the analysis about gambling behavior is centered around women, men, and women are the afterthoughts and were categorized as a certain type of better. And I fit none of the categories that they try to put women into. And that means for me that I was engaged in pull tabs. I was engaged in fan duel. I was in get not that actual app, but I was engaged in fantasy football. I was engaged in lottery. I was engaged in poker and blackjack and all the things that they say are guys games. And we have more and more availability. You've got lotto on your phone. We've got lotto on our phones here. We've got scratch off tickets on our phones here. Many states are now introducing sports betting terminals. We've got daily fantasy sports. So more and more betting is coming and more and more opportunities to place a bet is coming. And same with those in-game features, buy a level up, buy a loot box, buy a badge, get the mystery prize. All of these organizations, social media included, have started to embed the designed to be addictive methodology of slot machines for this intermittent reward mechanism that our brain loves, that little dopamine and serotonin boost that we can get those feel good feelings and they come real quick. And, and we also get that same chemical release if we almost win. So, you know, like when you almost beat a boss in a video game and you're like, don't quite do it. Like you gotta go back, you gotta go back and do it again. Cause you're convinced you know how to do it the next time. And suddenly you've lost another hour. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens to all of us. Right. Um, yes. In one way, shape or form. And you know, you, you made a very good point though. Like we can, all of us go through that. Oh my God, I have to try it again. Right. Like I just about did it. I have to try it again. Or, you know, even the lottery. Um, I've won four numbers on a seven number lottery. Now it was $20 mm -hmm. or $50, which sure. is a lot, but at the same time, it was like, well, maybe next time I'll get all seven. Right. And we all kind of go through that and we, and that's natural, right? That's and quote unquote, a normal, and I'm going to quotations that because normal is subjective, but that's a normal behavior. 99% of the population do do that where we have that release and it's like, oh, I have to try it again or no, another chapter or, you know, and it being healthy. It's when, and this, this is where I'm getting to the point you made is it is when it starts to negatively impact your life, right? Where yeah. you're going, where did all my money go? What, what happened to this, right? My, <laughs> my husband said that to me the other day, where'd all our money go? And I'm just like this, 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 and this. And then I was like, uh Oh <laughs> yeah. Where did my money go? Where did my time go? Yeah. How did I, you know, how did it get from 11 o'clock to four? Right. And I've done that reading, you know, and again, healthy, mm -hmm. but getting into a book and it's like, oh, now it's like 4am because I'm not at the cost of your rest. Yeah. Right? And, and it costs me my sleep and, right. you know, doing that every so often, maybe once in a blue moon, once every 10 years or five years, you know, that's not so, not so bad. It's when it's consistently all the time 
every day, right? And beating yourself up for it is pointless. Um, yeah. It comes to actual addictions, right? And, and again, don't beat yourself up. If you fall off the wagon, if you, you know, just acknowledging the fact that it's an issue is a huge first step then you start catching yourself, right? And I tell everybody this, when you're, you know, the, the shopaholic that I know, she's starting to acknowledge it. Yeah, it all right? starts with awareness, right? Right, so even if, so I'm a smoker, right? And if, if I turned around, I'm not ready to quit, but if I was ready to quit, if I went and every time I had a cigarette go, I really should quit, I really should quit, I really should quit, and oh, I'm smoking again, oh, I'm smoking again. Every time I acknowledge that, right, it, it gets me more ready to be mm-hmm. like, okay, this is seriously an issue. I need to mm-hmm. change this. And then you start thinking, well, what could I do instead? Or, you know, what's, what's actually created the issue now, again, addiction is stemming from a need to replace, remove, or create a feeling. Right. And we need to understand what that feeling is. And that's where you go and you ask for help. You, you know, what's causing 99% of the time, it has something to do with your beliefs about yourself. Um, half the time, it is not knowing how to cope with your emotions. I know um, my son, we did my very first episode on the show I did with my soon to be 20 year old son. Awesome. And you can only find it on Facebook and YouTube. Just so everybody knows, if you want to go check that episode out, it is on Facebook and YouTube. It's the very first one we did. And we talked about the fact that he was, he was, he used to cut and that stemmed from a need to cope with his emotions because it was a focus. And self-harm also is a behavioral addiction. Yep. And that's exactly what it is. Right. And so knowing that those are stemming from something um, and being able to figure that out, find somebody like me, find somebody, you know, anywhere, uh, whoever you can that's knowledgeable about what addiction is and how to maneuver through it so that you can actually identify the issue, identify the root cause and, you know, start taking back your control because you lose control to addiction. Yeah. I, um, I think the root cause connection, you know, for a lot of us, um, in recovery from like in working a formal, our version of formal, whatever that looks like version of recovery, right? Um, that a lot of us can get caught up in the why, why did I, why do I? And so I think it's really important for people to understand like the source could simply be a feeling or a lack of a feeling that you're trying to create. And there may not be no, I have it right. But there may not be this childhood trauma or this life trauma event. And I do think that trauma and addiction are like this, um, and that trauma certainly can lead to addiction, but sometimes the searching for the why can distract you from the searching for the, how, how do I get better? How do I choose a different way of living? And so the exploration of the why doesn't have to come first. And I'd encourage anyone who's thinking about their relationship with any behavior uh, to, to really start to search for the, how can I change this more so than the, why do I do this? Um, for me, because uh, now I agree 
but it's I both different, different opinion, right? Yeah. Um, for me, the why is important, even if it is searching for a feeling, right? Because yeah, yes. Um, so a lot of the times, so shopaholic, yes, the shopaholic that I know, um, lost her identity, didn't know who she was. Right. Right. And the shopping became something that made her happy because she didn't know what made her happy. Right. Um, and so finding the why it was creating that feeling. Right. Yep. And when you, when you go to the why, even if it is creating a feeling now I'm, I'm different, I'm a mental genius. (laughs) So this is what I love to do is finding the why I love finding the why and helping you change your perspective of the why, because when you find the why and you say, okay, well, that doesn't really relate anymore. Right. I'm happy. I can be happy within myself. That changes the need to create that feeling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I, um, I think we're kind of saying the same thing yeah. in different ways that I'm like, I, you don't need to look for like the, why did I ever start doing this thing? Or why did I become addicted? But like, why am I doing it right now? I'm doing it because I want to feel better. That's that. Why? Yes. Cause that's where you're going to find your triggers. That's where you're going to find the things that are sending you back to the behavior you're trying to change. So I agree with you. The, why am I doing this? today, right now, why do I want to do this? I think that's really important. And I like you, um, I, I, I geek out about our mind body connection and the why is sometimes just a thought like shopping is fun. Mm. (laughs) I mean, sometimes it's really not like, do we love standing in line? (laughs) Do we love when things don't fit? Do we love when they don't have our size? And that's the thing, right? Is finding, okay, well, is it really, is it really, is it really helping? Is it really making me happy? Is it really what I need to do? Is it really something that absolutely, is it really something good for me? Right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And the, how can the opposite be true is one of my favorite questions to ask when my brain tries to give me a, an absolute, like, like I was convinced that gambling was fun, right? Gambling was not. I was miserable, but there was that part of my mind that was convinced that it was fun. It was entertaining. It was enjoyable. It was exciting. Yeah. Tell that to the me who came home at five in the morning thinking that she was worth more dead than alive. Yeah. The opposite was true. Yeah. We don't, we don't think about stuff like that. Sorry. I'm just going to close my window. Okay. There's that little bit excess noise as much as I like the wind and the cool air it's a little bit too much excess noise on my end I hear it whether you guys don't (laughs) I'm not hearing it but I'll I'll give credit to good audio (laughs) yeah absolutely I love the audio on these things so what lifestyle addiction so we talked gambling can be anything right gambling is anything that you spend your money with the chance to win something that's gambling. yeah for skill or not so i mean it can be as it can be as simple as you know i'll bet you a cup of coffee i'll flip a coin we didn't even talk about bingo and purse bingo i mean that's gambling yeah anything that you have a chance to win something is yeah um then we have gaming right where that's the the online gaming what was the newest one that they were doing um 
shoot the kardashians even had commercials out for it um i don't know i, I stay, actually I, I, I so stay away and then we get like even like some of the crypto stuff has this element of see i have avoided crypto like the plague um oh that's just me uh in my personal opinion i'm i avoid crypto like the plague um yeah i don't even know I, I had it on here at one point and I deleted it because I was like, this is boring now. Um, but again, you know, even just the, the apps that you can download on your phone, right? The gaming apps mm -hmm. on your phone or on your tablet or whatever that you can download and put money into Roblox, uh, which is my daughter's favorite right now. Yeah. And she's like, can I have some Robux? And I'm just like, yeah, maybe <laughs> That's yeah. Really like a, birthday or christmas or once in a blue moon type thing where she gets sure. robux right sure. um but yeah and then there's lifestyle right uh health and fitness there is dieting there's you know um there's food, food in general right we could take overeating under eating yeah oh yeah yeah um so anything lifestyle that we can become right um and again to classify it as an addiction, it has to be negatively impacting your life in one way or another. Um, work. Yeah. Work. Work. <laughs> um, don't get me started on work. Uh, my husband, so. She's as she's starting business number seven. <laughs> uh, no, we only have six. We only have six. Only, um, but what did we talk about at the top of this before we hit record? Okay, that's part of number six. Okay. okay so all right. All right. For anybody wanting, yes, I'm addicted to creating. <laughs> I'm a creator. I love to create. So when I get a new idea, it's like, oh my goodness, we got to, I have two filing cabinets to the left of me and they, one of them is half full with programs um, that I just have to put into courses and, and launch. Right. But so I've got identity coaching is one of them. Um, spiritual teaching is another one of them. Then I have the show, which is another one. I have the women supporting women network, which is a membership group for women only. And we cover six different categories, um, and various topics within those categories. Yeah. Um, and so it's a support group for women and it's member only, which is nice. And then we have the, my biz fits me where I do business mentoring. And then we have my craft one. So my craft one has crystal jewelry. As you can see, I have crystal jewelry. I make heat therapy bags, which is why I have a ton of fabric and a sewing machine behind me. Um, and I created a new uh, heat therapy bag today, but I'm not going to mention what that is yet because I have to make the first one <laughs> before I launch yes. it. Um, yeah but I will be doing that later today. So needless to say, yes. Um, when I get creative, um, I tried to make, um, a new crystal that just, uh, anyway, I, I like creating, right? So maybe I'm addicted to creating and starting new things. And yeah. And at the same time, like these are things that are bringing good into your life. Right. And I yeah. think, I think with like work can be one of those ones that's, Oh, my husband. It's hard, hard to have in the line. Yeah. My husband. So that's where I was going with this. You're addicted so, to him. Well, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, and he is, I love him dearly, but my husband is an a-hole born and raised a-hole. Um, but he's, but I love him. 
He provides me with everything I need, uh, love, support, security. Um, I have no worries with him. So yeah, we're, we're good on that one. But so he broke, dislocated and broke his ankle July 1st. Oh, and my husband's been working nonstop since he was 15. Mm-hmm. He was a very How hard was this break for this guy? Oh, it was. Yeah. So he just, just went back to work for the second day yesterday. And he's like only going like two or three days a week, four hours, right? Modified mm-hmm. and, and slowly getting back because he still can't walk without crutches. Um, and so I, he's, he was supposed to pick up our daughter because we're doing pick up and drop off now. And so I was like, well, leave work at two and go pick up the, the oldest daughter. And he's like, okay. And then he messages me or calls me. He's like, you need to go pick her up. Mm. And I'm like, Why? And he goes, well, because I, I have to stay late. I said, no, you don't. Like, no, you don't. Right. And he used to do that all the time. Right. His mm-hmm. hours are like, yeah. So men and women can absolutely and utterly get addicted to work as well. Staying yeah. overtime, putting everything into work with no return, um, putting yourself out to, out there to the detriment of your health and your family and I was like, what's more important that, that, you know, staying 20 minutes later or picking up your daughter. Exactly. I ended up picking her up because it wasn't a big deal. It's just the ones, but yeah, but it's a good question to be asking, right? Like, okay, am I choosing this decision on purpose or is it an impulse to please the boss or look good in front of the coworkers or please a customer? I mean, I'm a single mom and I can't tell you how many times I showed up at daycare at 5 59 PM last mom showing up, trying to eke every last minute out of work. And I you know, these things we can always see them in hindsight in a way that we never did when we were in the middle of them. And I can look back and say like, Oh man, what was I trying to prove? And to who, you know, that I was good enough to be there despite my single motherhood that I like, I, there was some part of me that felt shame and it, it stinks to admit that now, but felt shame about my single motherhood. Right. So I was trying to overperform in other ways, which looked like overcommitting, overcommitting at work and overcommitting to volunteer things and then dropping things and feeling overwhelmed all the time. And yeah, creating a reality I needed, wanted to escape. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and we do that all the time. Right. Um, I love that you do identity coaching. I do some of that too. And I think that's the important stuff. I think for me, you know, once I stopped gambling and I don't, I know you're also, a, you're also somebody who's actively in some form of recovery, right? Okay. So um, I, was, I when I, in my teens, um, yeah. early twenties, I was, um, addicted to drugs, not to, I was a binge. Um, yep. I would binge drugs. Yeah. But still you chose a different relationship with those. Oh, things, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, I would say now I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Active recovery. <laughs> so with this, this lens of recovery and we're, we're looking now at our life, like, okay, like, do I want to choose this thing? Right. And, and choosing deliberately to be aligned with our goals, like your husband choosing to stay that 20 minutes later, me choosing, choosing work over kid stuff or choosing to do too much. And now in recovery, and this is not, I don't think where I was going, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. 
now in recovery, I'm like, okay, like, how do I want to live? How much time do I want to work? How much, how much time do I want to give myself for me, for self-care, for reflecting, for journaling, for my big ideas that get so big that they have babies. (laughs) I think yours are doing the same. And it's, it's a conscious choosing as opposed to a reaction to circumstance. Um, and that's, what's really different in this self-discovery piece of it. The identity coaching. Now I found my original point. It's truly in recovery. You, you begin, or when you stop a behavior that's been all consuming, you begin to have these moments of like, well, who the hell am I? Who am I? What do I like? What do I, it was so lost in gambling. My identity was so wrapped up in my professional face. I had like two faces, like here's the work mom face and here's the fun, the fun face, but no one knew the dark, sad, full of pain face. I didn't show that to anybody. And I was so busy pretending to be what other people wanted depending on the hat I was wearing, that I was just chameleoning through all of it and never asking who is Tara? What does Tara want? What does Tara need? And now I'm asking those things and I've created my identity. It was always there, but I wasn't listening to the voice inside of me. And now that I've turned off all those things that were distracting me, disconnecting me from myself, it's just so important. So I love that you do identity coaching. And I, it's so important for any women who are feeling lost or like they don't know who they are. Absolutely get in touch with Melissa about what that identity coaching looks like. Because, you know, I think we get to this certain point in our lives where we, where we were like, is this it? I don't want this to be it. I wanted more. It's okay to so, want more. When I first started coaching, I started coaching because. I I felt called to it. Right. And my son was going through his cutting phase and I wasn't with him. I saw other kids, his age that were just absolutely traumatized, had no coping skills. Mm -hmm. And then, um, two of my favorite musicians had committed suicide and back to back. And I went through and I'm like, what, what, what is this purpose? Right. And I'm like, I, I used to get so mad at the thought of people committing suicide because it's like, there's so much more available to you and you, and you don't see it. Right. And this whole thing got me thinking, and it wasn't until six years later (laughs) that I realized that it was 95% of our life is 95% of our reality. We create. So those circumstances that are weighing us down, we created those. Now that isn't a blame. It isn't a shame. It isn't a guilt. No. What, you, what happens when we realize that the reality of our life is created by who, what we choose, that's powerful because yeah. you have the, you have the power yeah. to create a different reality. Yeah. Take that power back. Right. Exactly. Yes. So when yeah, I, and that's about, that, go ahead. So when I talk about a Phoenix identity and I just rebranded it to a Phoenix identity, um, in October or January, my son and I went and got matching Phoenix tattoos. Love it. And so, because him and I both went through a Phoenix transformation, right? What it is, is the Phoenix transformation. When a Phoenix doesn't like its life anymore, what does it do? It burns it to the ground. Yeah. 
reclaims the fact that it's a phoenix and it takes charge of its life and recreates it. Right. right? And rises. And that's, the and that's what we do. Right. Yes. So yes. that 5% that is circumstance, that's the things we can't control. That's whether you get hit by a life bus, right? You get hit by a life bus. Um, if somebody says something to you, you don't control that. If somebody does something to you, you don't control that. Do you put yourself in those situations a little bit? Yeah, because we do make choices based on our belief systems. So I've recently created what I call the smarter method. And I'm in the process of writing of the book for it and all the programs because that baby becomes little itty bitty babies. Um, and it's going to be at least an eight book series. And what it is, the smarter method is what each person needs to create a happy, healthy, balanced life. And every one of the smarter method, because it's an acronym, every one of the smarter is in relation to our identity. Everything in our lives comes down to our identity. If you are in a toxic relationship pattern, right? And that cycle keeps coming. If you are in gambling, if you are in, you know, drug or alcohol addiction, if you're addicted to sex, if you're addicted to little lifestyles, that all comes down to something in your identity or something fake in your identity that doesn't belong right? People pleasing. We are taught that. That is not part of our identity. You made a point and I wanted to touch on that. Um, when we lose our identity, right? And you were talking about work and losing our identity and gambling. We lose our identity as mothers. Oh yeah. When we become parents. We feel right. Because society tells us we have to do everything and anything. We have to be there hundred percent. We have to, we are now mother. We're not, I'm not Melissa anymore. I'm now their mother. No, I'm Melissa first, then I'm their mother, right? And you always have to fill that cup. So we get lost. I don't know how many women, mothers, uh, empty nest syndrome. That's a mother who's lost her identity to her children. Um, retirement, losing your identity to your career. Um, divorce, losing your identity to your relationship. We lose our identity to all of these things. And now women across the globe, men across the globe are starting to say sooner, who am I? Do I want to live this way? Do I like this? Right. And that's- I think we all had a collective shaking, right? With the pandemic. Like, am I focused on the right things? Are these the things that really matter? And, um, I was a little early to that party. I, I shook my own identity a couple of years prior to that. Um, but I, I think, I think that this motherhood piece, I'm an empty nester as, as people would call it. And, um, it's, it's different, you know, it's different because we have these ideas and, um, I don't necessarily, it's beliefs for me, thoughts for me, thoughts and beliefs. I can interchange those two words. Thought beliefs are just thoughts I choose to believe. <laughs> and, um, this idea of what a good mother looks like a good mom would, right. How much guilt do we put upon ourselves with just that sentence? If I was a good mom, I would. Right. And 
I am a good mom. So I is just as valid. I am a good mom. So I dropped the kid off at a sitter and went for a walk around the park, <laughs> right? Like we did, we absolutely deserve this time for us, but we, we do have, as you said, that societal programming that every need our children have comes before our own, that we must sacrifice and we've all just kind of bought into it and said, yes. And I'm, I'm, I will tell you, I will lay in front of a speeding train for my kid. Yes. Thousand percent. I would consciously choose that today. There was a lot of things I unconsciously chose to do as a mom because of that societal programming. And, and there's a lot of unlearning that many of us have an opportunity to do when we get introspective and we start asking do I want to believe that? Do I want to think that anymore? Yeah. And that's where I come in. Yes. Right. That is exactly where I come in. What is, what, what is our societal expectations? What, what is society put on us? What do we believe? Right. Are we done people pleasing? Are we done putting everybody ahead of ourselves? Are we done spending our time, our energy, our money, our love on things that don't matter to us? Not that, don't get me wrong, some of them do. Yeah, but we <laughs> got to pick. We, right? we get to decide that. Yeah, and not only that. Okay, so I've, I've seen and I've heard mothers say, I'm only alive for my children or I'm only, you know, everything I am is because of my children. And I'm like, no, I love you, but no. I come first, my priority list. I'm number one. I come before everybody else because nobody else is going to put me number one. From the day I'm born to the day I die, I am my only constant. I have to put myself first. I have to make sure my needs are met, that I'm in alignment, that I'm balanced, that I'm happy, that I'm healthy, that I have to make sure of that. Then my husband comes second because altruistically, you know, he's supposed to be there after my kids leave. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I don't pay attention to that relationship, if I don't put the effort and the time in that, I, 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 you know, I, relationship then what's it going to be like when our kids are gone we're just right. rooming right and you're today thinking planfully and thoughtfully about what kind of future marriage do i want right it's yeah. not just about today because today he might piss you off yep <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no doubt there um and then my because he's an a-hole i think you said oh but he's he, i i do not go a day without laughing yeah. I do not. He, and it's momentarily right. I, but I need him that way. I thrive yeah. on volatility at times. Like I'm a very vile yeah. and vindictive person. So, you know, if, if I need to get in a fight, he's right there. We're, <laughs> we're good. Right. But hey, I'm all for witty banter and sarcasm and giving, you know, razzing each other. It sounds like you guys have some fun together. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. that's what we need. That's yeah. where, that's how we jive so well. And, you know, I made sure that I opened myself up to a relationship like that because that's what I need, mm -hmm. right? We provide each other with the feelings that we need to feel. And that's, I do relationship coaching inside of identity because that's what we need to do. We need to say, yeah. what do I want to feel? Yeah. Right. What do I want to feel from my ideal partner or my, <laughs> right? you know? Um, so we have a comment that's where widows struggle. They've lost their identity. Absolutely. 
any traumatic event. And, you know, we said earlier that, you know, addiction and traumatic events can go hand in hand, even still without the addiction, right? Um, When you lose a loved one, right? Even the end of a relationship is like losing them, right? You've put everything into that. Who am I now? What do I do now that they're gone? How do I work? How do I live? You know, the house is empty. There are a lot of very traumatic thoughts that come through that. And no matter, you know, even me. Okay. So I am an identity mindset genius. I'm there's, I, I own that. And it's not a, not a confidence or conceit. It's a confidence. It's not a conceit. Even I, if I lost my husband, would struggle with that I would struggle with my identity because he's such a huge I've I've chosen to have him be such a huge part of my current identity now being a wife is not my identity being a mother is not my identity being a partner is not my identity they're roles titles and responsibilities that I choose to take on but they do adjust they do adjust I um I think the biggest identity shifts for me, um, are wrapped up in grief. Um, I've, my biological father died by suicide when I was three. My mother died when I was 25. My stepfather who raised me died when I was 35. So I've, I've, and, and more, right. These are the, these are the biggies and, um, there's more biggies in the thought back to my, you know, I'm a thought work genius. So very similar to what you're doing in identity coaching, but the, the thought for me that I found the most painful in my grief was, I don't know who I am without them. And that is a hundred percent an identity thought or a lack of identity thought that I had lost this part of me when they died. And I've had to really work hard to reframe how I look at that loss and look at um, my experience with that person living with me on earth, making me the person I am today and proud to be so that I can carry on mm-hmm. the seeds they left me with. Yeah. The good ones. We, we choose to allow um, people and, and animals into our innermost soul. There is not the the question does become who am i without them right and and it's a very common question we are still you are or both we are still the the same person right we our identity is always constant it's the way we express that it's the way we live our identity it's the way we embrace our identity that changes and our traumatic events our big moments right those are the moments where we start to question. Those are the moments we learn from. Those are the moments we grow from. Those are the moments that, you know, death, unfortunately, is a guarantee for all of us. It's something we all have to live with, not embrace, but live with yeah. and acknowledge, right? And, yes. and live through. And that's, that's something that, you know, you, it can still be a positive. And, and this sounds crazy. I can turn any negative into a positive because there's always the lesson, right? We don't ever lose our connection to that person. We lose the ability to touch that person. We, we lose the ability to use our, um, 
our senses, not our clear senses, because those are different. Um, but we lose our, our physical senses in, in this reality to connect with them, right? They're still there. Their energy is still there. I'm a spiritual teacher. Um, so I do believe that, you know, we are interconnected. I'm a medium as well. So I do converse um, with that other side. And I do believe they're always with us. But yes, we mourn the loss of their physical, their physical, uh, you know, um, manifestation. Yeah. Yeah, I can still hear my mama's laugh, mm -hmm. you know, and it's been yeah, it's going to be 21 years in November and I can still hear her laugh yeah. and feel that, that feeling of joy when sharing laughter with her yeah. and she's not physically here, Yep. <laughs> but I still get to experience that. Which is great. And, and that's the thing, like, I mean, you know, a lot of people going into mediumship, actually, I want to touch on that with addiction. A lot of people can become addicted to spirituality, to connecting with mediums and psychics and intuitives, to connect with people that they've lost, to, you know, um, I always tell people, if anybody ever comes to me for a reading or, or anything along those lines, I say, I'm not giving you dates. I'm not giving you definitive, you're going to divorce or anything along those lines, because I don't ask those questions. I don't, you, you're not supposed to know those questions, right? Um, and, you know, getting all that information, if you go to see, to see a medium to connect with a past loved one, that's great because if you don't have the ability to connect with them, it's great because then all those messages come through. Mm -hmm. But there are people who go every month, every six months, every year to a medium to reconnect sure. and they don't really have to. Right. They're, they're, um, there's some comfort. I think for almost for a crutch. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like you're saying it could yeah. become an addiction. I mean, how many headlines have we seen about the scammer? I'm putting mm -hmm. that in air quotes because they do exist. Um, but they I, absolutely I don't think, do. yeah, you know, taking tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands from, um, from people who were trying to connect with loved ones mm -hmm. or trying to understand their, their future through, partnering with a psychic. <clears throat> Absolutely. All right. Was there anything you'd like to add before we get going? You know, I think just um, for anyone here who is engaging in gambling or gaming behavior, I think a good um, self-assessment would be to um, ask yourself, you know, are you, are you playing with more than you can afford to lose? And are you spending more time than you can afford to spend on those activities? And if so, I'd encourage you to explore the idea of a break. Um, there's lots of resources. If you're stateside, many of your states will take gambling profits and revenue and, and turn them into support for people who may need assistance with therapy or treatment for problem gambling. Um, and then there's tons of online resources. So if you look, there's groups on Facebook and there's Zoom rooms and there's formal 12-step programs, but if that's where you're at and you need support or help and you don't hesitate to reach out to me directly and I can point you to some resources um, or just use the Google, it's a powerful tool. <laughs> it absolutely is. All right, well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciated your time. Yeah, I appreciate the time to have the discussion. Thank you. And so good to see you again. I can't wait to see what comes next with the 
the product we talked about at the top of the hour. Oh, that's going to be so cute. I'm All right, waiting. just a family. This has been your episode. If you would like to connect with either myself or Tara, please feel free to do so. Our d- links are in the description of this episode. Um, if you'd like to be a guest speaker or if you have a topic that you want to see featured on the show, please reach out to justalivetv.com. You can find Just Alive TV across numerous social media podcasting and um, video platforms just by Googling Justa. Um, yeah, I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon, morning, or evening, depending on when or where you are watching. And don't forget, there is no shame, blame, guilt, or any judgment in being in an addictive cycle. Just acknowledge it and start asking yourself how you can change. All right. Lots of love. Thanks so much for having me. Bye. Bye.